G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. How our Christian faith intersects with our local community and does good things. Uh, Let's introduce our special guest for this hour. Dr. Stephen Beaumont is joining us. He is a, uh, what you'd call a social researcher, a clinical counsellor. But amongst those very important aspects of his life and of his pursuits, he's called a social entrepreneur. Uh, Also a keen outdoor adventurer, driven to create opportunities for young people to achieve their potential. Stephen Bowman, welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's great to be here. Well, Steve, when we hear that sort of a title, a social entrepreneur, what does that really mean? I mean, is there a way we can think about that and and uh, bring it down to earth? Because sometimes it can sound a little bit uh, it's a bit highfalutin, isn't it? A social entrepreneur uh, who can be a social entrepreneur, but uh, what is it? What is a social entrepreneur? Well, Neil, when I hear you say that, I kind of cringe somewhat because, like yourself, I think. Um, Think of very highly successful, well-known individuals that have made lots of money and done incredible things um, in the business world. But when you put that in the place of of our social life, our social world, it's about people. And it's about finding creative ways in which we can see people in their human capital and their human worth and bring add value to them as, as individuals and as a result of that, add value to their families and the community in which we live in. So... If I think of a social entrepreneur, I think of somebody who's out there in the social world wanting to make a difference in people and going outside or not being confined to a mainstream or an orthodox traditional approach, but going, hey, here's a need, here's a problem. Um, How do we go about addressing that or, or fixing that issue? Well, we're going to talk about lots of great things in a practical sense today. But let's, before we get into practical, let's talk about what it is to be a Christian believer and what perhaps a social entrepreneurism might have for everyone who's listening to our conversation now, because we're talking about a, a practical outworking of our Christian walk. We're talking about, uh, well, you know, as Christian believers, we are carriers of a wonderful good news message of the gospel. But it's not just an academic message. It's not just a, a verbal message. It's not just an argument that's presented. But there's, there's a real life outworking. How does that fit for you? Uh, Neil, for me, thinking about um, the work that I do, I, I don't even consider it a work. I just consider it a lifestyle. And um, when people ask me about the sort of things that I do involved in young people, sometimes people throw titles at you like social entrepreneur or youth expert or, or whatever. I, again, I balk at those things because I see myself just as a bloke, just as somebody who has a sense that these things are important to God. So young people aren't any any more important than any other demographic, but for me, they've been brought to my attention. And as I think about young people, I think about what does the kingdom of God look like for them, particularly for those who come from a disadvantaged background, for those people who, young people who don't 
have a faith connection or a support base with a, with a Christian community, what does the kingdom of God look like? How does that encroach in their life? So that's kind of the angle that I take in all of this as a Christian wanting to follow Jesus to make a difference in the world because I bring and I hope to bring the values of the kingdom of God and, and you know the presence of Christ as we all do as followers of Jesus. Well, let's get into what you do with the organization called Shed 27. Now, this is based in Capalabar in Brisbane, and you've got some ideas for expansion. And I must say, I had a wonderful privilege of going along with you to Shed 27 last year and saw the work that you're doing. And it is an absolutely astounding amazing thing that's happening because there were so many projects on the go. And when we talk about Shed 27, we're not talking necessarily here about just uh, in your uh, context of what is like a backyard shed where there's a few blokes hanging around a car. But you've got lots of projects on the way and you were in restoration mode for cars and trucks. And we'll talk about uh, making trailers and things like that as well. But uh, but tell me about Shed 27. Describe for our listeners uh, what Shed 27 looks like when you walk through that big entrance. Okay, thanks, Dil. Uh, Shed 27, um, it's interesting just calling it Shed 27. Uh, when we set this facility up two years ago, we um, spent many weeks just um, cleaning out and preparing a, a fairly large commercial property at 27 Newman Road, Kapalabar, and we'd spent a number of weeks getting it ready to launch this big idea. We really had no idea what I was doing necessarily at the time, and we'd forgotten to actually call the building anything, to actually call the project or the idea a name. So when it was almost time to open up the doors, we had this awkward sense of, so what do we call this thing? Um, so Shed 27 became its name because we had no other name. And it's just the name of a location where, as you have said, we are trying to run out a whole range of initiatives, projects and ideas where we attract um, not just young people, but uh, cross-generational people. It's a, I, I guess it's probably best described as a, it's a community space. So it, it's open for men and women, young and old. Um, we have kids as young as 10 or 11 get involved in projects down in the shed right through to older persons in their 90s. So there's a whole range of activities down there like you've described. And the activities themselves um, are, are really just a way in which we gather people. So they're diverse. They, they change. Like you said, we, we've got car restoration projects because we saw that there was a need for um, retired older persons, mostly men, and we admit that, who wouldn't normally go to a traditional men's shed type ministry. And there's hundreds and hundreds of men's sheds in Australia. Almost exclusively do they work with, you know, wood. Well, there are a whole lot of guys out there that don't want to go to a place like that. Um, they're car enthusiasts or they're tradesperson that have had metal sheeting backgrounds or welding backgrounds. So it was just a, a simple matter of there's nothing out there. There is no shed in southeast Queensland where you can work on six-ton metal presses and, and weld to your heart's content and, and, and have panel beating classes when you're 85. So that was one of the, the key objectives when we moved into the shed. And so where you've got all of these uh, tradespeople or former tradespeople who bring all of their skills into the shed, it's not just, uh, oh, we're meeting at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday night. 
you've actually got this thing. It's operating uh, five days a week at least. Uh, That's correct. And and you've got this opportunity then for these connections that you have into the broader community where there are disadvantaged young people who've got an opportunity to come and work on these cars alongside these tradespeople. Yeah, that's correct. So having, you know, having these gentlemen, mostly men that come into the shed across the five days a week, they've become a wonderful source of of mentoring and support um, for the young people because the the five days a week we run programs for high school age kids. So it's every day of the week. Um, so to actually provide supervision, to provide meaningful activities requires a fair amount of active volunteers to come in there and provide that support. We're going to talk some more about car restoration and what that means uh, when you are in your own local community and wanting to connect people who bring various skills to the table and also some of the disadvantaged young people from your community. And we want to be able to introduce our conversation today in such a way so that it's an inspiration for you wherever you might be right around Australia. So many different locations, more than 670 locations around Australia where people will be listening in, sometimes in capital cities, sometimes in regional communities, sometimes in very outback places. And there is a sense, uh, Steve, in which we talk about your project, which is actually quite large scale and doing wonderful things. But you can start this in your own local community, perhaps uh, uh, with two or three people interested in helping to connect young people into uh, a community where there are people who want to share their skills. Absolutely. Over the last two years, I have met a number of people who have tried small-scale projects. So a few adults with one car that needs to be restored and provided an opportunity, invited or advertised within their local communities, particularly in the rural sector, for adolescents that didn't have anything to do on a Friday night or a Saturday to come along and to work on restoring you know, an old donated Holden or Ford that's come off somebody's back paddock. And there's been lots of uh, enthusiasm around those projects, um, particularly in smaller communities. And those cars at the end of it are then given back to the participants themselves, which is also a philosophy that we've adopted down there at the shed. Now, you've got a few favourite projects that you've worked on over the years. Uh, what one comes to mind as one of the favourite projects that you've, that you've had in uh, the uh, Shed 27? Oh, they're all favourites. Um, at the moment, we've um, well, we've been working on a 1973 Combi Camper that was um, donated by a local businessman from the Redlands, and we've been working on that for a year. And um, it's now at the stage where the upholstery will be put in next week, and that car will be completely restored. So that's attracted a lot of attention. It seems that everybody loves a Combi these days, and um, it's looking fantastic. So. That will be finished next week, and um, we're not exactly sure what we're going to do with it, but it's a project that we've um, seen great success in, and the participants are incredibly proud about what they've produced. Well, we're talking about thinking outside the box, outside the square today, and you can be part of our conversation. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take a call. Wayne is in Innisfail in Queensland. Hello, Wayne. Welcome along. Wayne, are you with Hi. us? Yeah, top of the morning. How are you? Very well, Wayne. What are your thoughts on our conversation today? Um, actually, my, my memory's not that good at, at the moment, but I notice that you're trying to make a difference and you're trying to help people with uh, depression. Is that right? 
not necessarily, although I'm sure that there are people who are doing it tough uh, facing depression issues, but we're talking about thinking outside the square and the sorts of projects that Christian believers might be involved in uh, that would connect people in their Christian community to people who are, and in the case that we're talking about today, sometimes disadvantaged youth. Uh, what are your thoughts, Wayne? Yeah, well, um, the, the way I um, snapped myself out of it to try and work out the best way to make a difference was the power of positive thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. He, um, he's got a lot of good references from the Bible as well as um, he gives you a positive affirmation for the day and um, you say that to yourself over and over and every time you think of a negative, you change it to a positive and you look for the good in it, you know. If you get nothing good to say, say nothing or... Um, you know, look for the good in everyone and make it feel worthwhile. Wayne, an interesting connection there. Let's get some thoughts uh, from Stephen Beaumont because it's not just about a power of positive thinking. It's a whole process of people who've been there and done that, uh, lived their lives in a significant way and having that influence upon young people who might be going all so- through all sorts of roller coaster of emotion and thoughts and getting things right. Thank you, Neil. Uh, Wayne, good to talk to you. With what we're doing down there at the shed, we're we're trying to tackle people from a holistic perspective. So part of what we do there is to, as we get involved with people down at our shed through our programs, we look at their life in in, in a number of different ways. We look at it from a social perspective, a psychological perspective, a faith perspective, you know, an economic perspective. And so we get involved with people at all of those different levels. So it might be providing financial support. It might be um, helping them get to some form of counselling if they are suffering any form of mental distress such as depression and, and other sorts of um, you know um, mental health issues. We might help them find a job. We might help them relocate their home. We might you know provide groceries for them. We might give them employment. So we're trying to help people at so many different ways according to the needs that they're in. But one thing I do want to mention that we've tried very hard at Shed 27 to be a positive place. And so we, we regularly or constantly talk about having an environment that's positive so that when people come there, we don't contribute to or feed to their negative ideas or their negative moods. And that's one of the um, common feedbacks that we get from people who attend our shed, that it's unlike many other places that they've been to because it's so positive. Like going to a different world uh, where you leave all of the hardships of your own life behind and all of a sudden you're doing something that is the passion of your heart in this automotive restoration and and working with people who are also uh, keeping some of those negatives out of the conversations and that's partly uh, contributing to the way that lives can be supported and almost cushioned through some of those challenging times, say for teenagers and for young people. I think so, Neil. If we can create a, an environment that's somewhat of an oasis from their ordinary daily life with all the perhaps chaos and in, in, in some respects for young people, some of the trauma, and then it's a healing place. It's a place of rest. And I think from a, a Christian perspective, that shalom, that sense of well-being is really important for us. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're talking about how you think outside the square and then put those thoughts into action. 
a practical way of living out your Christianity and coming up with some creative ideas that might make an impact in your local community. You can be a part of our conversation today on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Dr. Stephen Beaumont. We're talking about the great adventure today, thinking outside the square. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Stephen, always actions start with someone's idea, start with a story that actually makes things happen. And if you're going to start something in your local community, it needs to start with an idea. Uh, Then it needs to start with uh, someone doing something and getting the story rolling. Can you recount for us how Shed 27 got to the point where it is now? Because it all didn't happen with the wave of a magic wand. No, it didn't, Neil, although it seemed somewhat magical at the time, or a little bit surreal. Shed 27 came about as a result of a need. For the previous uh, five years before Shed 27 started, I'd been involved in taking a a group of young people uh, along a series of life-changing adventures in an activity that we call Sail Away Adventures. And Sail Away Adventures um, targets young people, particularly those in long-term foster care, and we make a commitment to a group of young people that we would, every school holidays, take them on an adventure, a camping adventure, a four-wheel driving adventure, activities throughout the state and so for five years or five and a half years I've made that commitment to a group of young people and it got to the point where a number of young people had got through the program or graduated from year 12 left and got jobs and we started to 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 wrestle with this idea or really this situation about what's next we've created a, a wonderful network of young people that are being supported and mentored and cared for out of the foster care system and seeing some great results with that, but they were all turning 17 and 18 and looking at the world of work and transitioning out of care. And so for me, I was wrestling with, is there something more I can offer? Um, do I just say goodbye to these kids at 17 as they graduate from school? What's the next thing? And it was with that, the context of that, that I was at a, a birthday party and I was having a conversation with a another a Christian friend or a Christian person that I knew reasonably well from a church that I was involved in, a gentleman by the name of Shane Gilchrist. And as I as I talked to Shane about the sort of things and the challenges that I was facing and where to go next with this, he shared what God was putting on his heart and had done for a number of years to actually start a shed facility that um, provided an opportunity for retirees to come and work on vehicles and car restoration and while it had nothing to do with my conversation it was one of those bloke conversations where he's thinking one thing and the other guy's thinking his own thing but that didn't matter they're enjoying each other's company but as we got to the end of the conversation we kind of looked at each other and thought what if we could actually put these two things together what would it be like if we actually created a a workshop facility of of, of um, real sophistication so did had a platform of, of classic car restoration, but then provided opportunities for young people like the ones that we were, we were um, working with at that point in Sailaway to come along and to learn some trade skills, to learn some basic automotive, to have some opportunities to get some work experience. And that was the seed of Shed 27. Some people will be thinking, well, it's all great to have ideas and uh, for people who've got not only the know-how but then the practical ability, but how about the finances? How do you get something like that 
up and going? I mean, do you just have to rely on donations? Do you have some sort of a vision that it'll become one day self-sustaining? How did you go with actually getting those initial finances in place to get Shed 27 up and happening? Neil, it was it was a little bit like any business launch. I thought about my friends, <laughs> my family, <laughs> and any fool that would throw in some money. So it, there was a little bit of desperation at the beginning as I considered the the cost of this financially. What would this cost us to actually do something like this? And as I mentioned, the, the facility that we use, use is a fairly large commercial facility. Um, the rent on that property was $100,000 a year plus plus outgoings, and then program expenses. So it looked like a a huge chunk of money that I didn't have. So not being – I wasn't discouraged by that, but it was a very sobering reality that this thing is going to take a large financial commitment. So I began to make um, not only steps towards gathering some financial support base for that, but right from the beginning my idea was that this has to be a form of – social enterprise. There has to be a way of actually teaching these young people real life skills. So not just another program. I didn't want young people to come down to that shed and we just spend money running programs on them because somebody's given us given us a, a wad of cash. So from the day one, the first group of high school kids who came into the shed to do a, facility, um, a program with us were constructing trailers. So from day one, there's always work to do that produces income that helps contribute towards the the cost of the shed, and that has continued to this date. And I know that uh, from time to time you feel like you're a trailer salesman uh, because you're constructing these tail- uh, trailers, and uh, it's part of the way that you get this continuity of of cash flow into the project. Uh, you're producing these trailers, high-quality trailers. And uh, for anyone who's looking for a trailer, here's a free plug here. Get in touch with Shed 27 <laughs> Thanks, because <Neil>. uh, <laughs> because you'll be able to put your order in. Uh, but you find yourself there doing all sorts of things, wearing all sorts of caps, whether it's from the administration side to working alongside those uh, who are volunteers, bringing their skills to the project, uh, to working with those organisations where those children and uh, those kids are coming from their uh, at-risk, uh, disadvantaged environments are all linking with you and then there's also uh, the finances and uh, and sometimes you've got to wear the hat of trailer salesman. Ab- absolutely. Uh, fortunately, as you said, they are good trailers but we don't just do trailers. That's where we started and we continue to produce trailers but we've moved on from that. So we now do trailer repairs. We do more specialist custom build work and then we did initially. Um, we also do a lot of... Um, um, light metal fabrication in other forms. Um, fortunately, our reputation is growing in the local community. We get a lot of drop-in jobs. Somebody needs something bent, needs something welded, needs something forged. Uh, people drop into the facility. We get a little bit of work from the University of Queensland and other places. So it, it, it's surprising how much work comes to us. At the point now, Neil, we can't fulfill all our work. Um, Today was a classic example of where we had to tell a customer that it's still a few more weeks away. We can't keep up with the work, which is a great problem to have. Um, But the complexity of that, as you said, is we're dealing with a a place where it's a lot of people who don't have a lot of skills. So our focus is on mentoring that will produce some income to help run that facility. But mentoring 
is our focus. Why don't we ever talk about car enthusiasts and do car enthusiasts ever intersect with what we might talk about in a practical Christianity? Well, today we are talking a little bit about car enthusiasts and the way that they are making a huge impact uh, through one ministry opportunity called Shed 27. And our special guest talking through these issues today is called a social entrepreneur. And it's just one of those titles that people give you when you do good things in your community. So the idea today, some inspiration for some of the things that might be going on in your local community. What you as a Christian believer or what your local church might be involved in that might connect with people in your community. We're talking about the great adventure, thinking outside the square. And you can be a part of our conversation. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Dr. Stephen Beaumont is our guest. Stephen, when we talk about uh, these sorts of things, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about spirituality, Christianity, uh, Christian believers, and, uh, you know, going to the Bible study or learning all sorts of things, doing some extra study. But this is really practical stuff that every church has a whole bunch of guys who'll stand around after church and they'll be sipping on their coffee and having that cake and talking about their latest dream about restoring a car or starting a race team or something like that. These sorts of things, they're not just pie in the sky. They can actually be converted into something really useful in the kingdom of God. Absolutely, Neil. What I've um, seen across Australia is that often car enthusiasts are involved in communities. There are not that many car enthusiasts that keep their passion to themselves. And even within the Christian communities, like you say, there are a lot of um, guys and gals who've got their favorite car, they're restoring granddad's car, or they hope to build a race car, and they've got that passion, but don't necessarily have that community. And for many of them, don't actually have a platform or an opportunity for them to restore those vehicles themselves because of time, space, um, the wife won't let them take over the garage, uh, lack of skill or, or a, a limited amount of skill. And so there are a lot of unfulfilled dreams that we find out there with, with older persons and their love of cars. So what Shed 27 does, it provides a space where somebody can come along and share in that community. So they might just not bring their own car. They might just come there and get involved in the shared projects. So at the moment, we're restoring that combi, as I mentioned, we're restoring a HX Kingswood um, that's part of a schools program. We're restoring a HK a Belmont, also part of a schools program. We're restoring a seriously Land Rover. A gentleman out the back is building a HQ Ute with a Gen 3 motor in it. Look, there's lots of stuff that we're doing down there because it's a space. And really the simplicity of the shed is we've just created a space where car enthusiasts you know, Christian guys and, and non-Christian guys can come and together share their passion and love of classic cars. Now, this is somewhat easy for people who might live in southeast Queensland and particularly in Brisbane, where Shed 27 is in Capalabar, uh, where they could go along and actually see what's going on there and get inspired, become involved or take some ideas, take some inspiration from that uh, to what they might do in their own community. Uh, for people who are outside of uh, this local community where you're working, people perhaps in uh, Western Australia tuned into our conversation today or those in the Northern Territory or uh, South Australia, Tasmania, uh, and all the, all the states and territories. But really, I guess if you've got 
uh, a space, a shed, uh, a toolkit, uh, and some restoration capacity and a vision and a dream to do something pretty exciting, you can get something like what you're doing started small scale fairly easily, fairly quickly. Absolutely. All it needs to happen is you, you make a commitment and, and create that space. So it could literally be somebody's garage. Um, you've got to find a car. There are no shortage of, of cars and people willing to donate cars or to see, you know, granddad's old Cortina one day finally live again. So if you begin to communicate with others your intention to actually create a, an opportunity where people can come and share their passion for cars, share their skills with others in that group, and then hopefully further down the line provide some mentoring and some inspiration to young people, it can start very simply, very small scale. And within most communities, there are a a number of people who are enthusiastic, and most people seem to have one skill. So one guy is going to be a little bit good on the mechanics, and another guy or another girl is going to like the auto electrics, and and somebody else is not a half-decent panel beater, and, and so forth and so forth. And as you build this thing, you just gather people with shared interest. You don't have to have a whole you know, a whole traineeship or a trades background, you just need to have a passion. Because at the end of the day, if you put the old car back together and you've got a few bolts left over, you had an incredible, enjoyable experience, what does it matter? Reflect for me for a few moments on the heart of the person who's doing this because uh, you could just get together as a bunch of mates and do a restoration on a car. But there's something in the heart that connects our Christianity with what we might do. And I guess it's that idea of being intentional about how you might pursue a project like this. Uh, Just reflect on the the spirituality side. What makes it a Christian project? What makes it a project that is beneficial in the kingdom of God? Great question. From the outsider's perspective, you know, looking into that facility, if you turned up at the gate and, and, and looked through the gate and, and saw the whole bunch of people that are running around there on any given day, you would just think, what is this place? Is it some kind of mechanic workshop? It, it just looks like any other form of business. And it could easily become that. But the heart of myself and Shane is to make a difference in a, in, in, in a person's life. So for us, we want to create an opportunities where we can get people together. See, within our churches, evangelism's becoming a little bit off the boil these days. We've kind of lost what evangelism is or could be, and it's not what it used to be. And so many people are a little bit stumped on how do they start conversations, how do they actually approach people, share life with them, and then find opportunities to tell them about Jesus or to tell them about their their church experience or you know their faith community. So for us, we're very intentional about that. So we have regularly what we call, uh, it, it's a five-minute talk. So at Smoko, we would plan for somebody just to share for five or ten minutes an inspirational story that, that has a Christian reflection in it. So we at times would pray and, and we would regularly have conversations around. So, Neil, you went to church on Sunday. What was that like? So we're not ashamed, you know, of the gospel. So we're very open about our Christian beliefs. Nobody down there for a minute who's involved in it would would be uncertain about our religious beliefs or faith. We're very open about that, but we don't bring people in and then try and trick them and try and proselytize them in some kind of, way we just for us this is just life 
And if Christian people talk about the sermon on Sunday when they have smoko and, you know, John and Fred don't, but they're in the room, well, they can listen because we show equal regard to listen to their stories. So that's kind of our approach. We just want to be as normal and as natural. And if Jesus is a big part of our life, then he's a big part of the shed. Well, you might like to join in our conversation. What is it that is your passion and how would you do something like that in your community which might connect uh, your faith with the real life of what's happening in other people in your community? We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Shelby in Sunnybank in Queensland. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along. Hello. Shelby, what are your thoughts on our conversation today? Yeah, mate, um, I just love it. Um, I have heard about this before. Um, I'm actually the president of the Queensland, um, well, the Nissan, that's a car club of Queensland. And um, I've had the same feeling of, um, you know, us building a club uh, mechanical shop um, and, um, you know, putting uh, uh, together uh, the same sort of idea for everybody to uh, share um, building, helping them with one another's cars, uh, you know, as a club thing, uh, especially as a Christian point of view as well. Um, uh, you know, we, we make no. Uh, um, well, we, well, Shelby, you're in the you're in the community where you could actually drop by Shed Twenty Seven sometime and have a little look what's going on there, and uh, yes, you'll find it very very inspiring. But uh, hey, uh, Shelby, great to introduce you uh, to Stephen Beaumont. Uh, Stephen, your thoughts on what Shelby's sharing and uh, your response to meeting him? Shelby, that sounds like a great idea. But with a name like Shelby, shouldn't you be driving a Ford or? Or something yes, like I that. Know. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a collection of about twenty old Nissans, mostly Skylines. <laughs> well, you, the the young guys are going to love you because there's this Nissan fever out there. Yes. <laughs> well, that is the shop, actually, if I may ask. Is any compel those at all? Here it is. It's in Twenty Seven Newman Road. Yes. And so we're open five days a week, so people can drop in any time and and have a bit of a look if they want to go through the workshop. Bring your safety boots. And um, be aware that you might trip over a half a dozen young people or kids riding their scooters out the front. Um, yeah. But you're very welcome to pop in and just have a look at what we do. Again, we haven't got the, the formula for this. We're, we're making it up as we go along. But it is something that's been in existence for a couple of years. So there's quite a few lessons that we've learned along the way. But love your idea about this. I think there's an opportunity to have, you know, 20, 40, 50, 100 Shed 27s throughout Queensland in various forms. Mm. And I uh, certainly uh, uh, believe that God has got his hand on uh, your project there. It's certainly, it's a fantastic deal. Thank you. Shelby from Sunnybank in Queensland, thanks so much for your call today. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking a lot about cars. You might have your own idea to share, one that uh, perhaps you might like a little inspirational advice on or you'd just like to share your idea because it's a good one and you want to uh, help others to think outside the square. Dr Stephen Beaumont is our guest. We're talking a lot about Shed 27 and we mentioned uh, the sail away uh, idea of these outdoor adventures for young people, but there's lots of dimensions to what you're involved in, Stephen. Uh, tell us about this other one with the bicycle restorations. Uh, it's called Traction, and young people have the opportunity to actually come and uh, restore bicycles. I, I guess that's like the, 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 the forerunner to restoring motor vehicles. Yes, well, if you walked into our shed on any day of the week, as I said, you'd probably trip over a bunch of kids riding their scooters out the front. 
what we do five days a week, we have a, a program we run called Traction. It's part of a, a bigger idea called Traction Community because we've outgrown our facility at Kapalabar and we now have a workshop at Maruka and about to open up one um, at West End. But what it is, Neil, is furthering along caring for disadvantaged young people. We, we recognise that there's also a younger group of people who aren't quite disengaged from school at the moment or at risk, but they're showing early signs of that. And so it, it happened to be I had a, a cup of coffee about 18 months ago with a gentleman called Sandy Murdoch, um, and it was the meeting was put together through some friends of mine. He was at a stage of his life where he'd done all, done all that he wanted to do within within business and had had himself fairly well established as a person, but just felt he wanted to make a contribution to society. So as we talked at the coffee meeting, we came up with this idea and that there is a group of young people that are kind of missing from the equation of intervention. So he's basically um, started what's called the Traction Program or the Traction Community. And as I said, we run that five days a week now out of Kapalabar. And these are for young people who are showing early signs of disengaging. So they might be in year seven or year eight in high school. And the school has um, seen their behavior, seen where their trajectory is going, and um, but unfortunately, because of their age, they don't themselves have any opportunity to provide something for them. So what we do is we take that young person for one whole day a week for a semester. And um, we have a mentoring program that's based on bicycle restoration. And at Maruka, it's on small engine rebuilding. So that's the focus. So we have mentors there, five schools at Kapalabar, two schools at Maruka, and um, we've been doing that now for three semesters, and it's going fantastically. And continues to expand. It's just getting bigger and bigger. And opportunities there, I guess, for plenty more people to be involved in how that might be expanding. And I guess this is what happens when you start something, is that eventually people come to your attention. They are interested. Would you look at those as like divine appointments? Uh, you know, is God sending people along that can be involved in projects like this to actually uh, to benefit young people and disadvantaged people? I certainly hope they're divine appointments. At the moment, we are looking at launching another traction program at the south of Brisbane, and that would be for us just helping another group of people set their own program up. The, the, the great thing about the traction idea is that it's not a, an expensive, complex um, project or proposal. You could do something like this in your garage, not literally in your own garage, but in a small location, a demountable, you know, a, a shipping container in the back of a school ground where a small workshop can be set up. Um, you can have a small team of volunteers get involved in it, but the enthusiasm, the attractiveness for this for young people at the schools, um, we can't keep up with the demand. Again, we started two days a week with two schools. We're now at seven schools and we'll be at nine schools by the end of the year. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments and we'll try and draw some loose ends together and you'll find out how you could perhaps connect uh, with Shed 27 and with these other projects we're talking about, like outdoor adventures uh, for children who are in foster care or uh, for the what we're talking about with bicycle mechanics called Traction, uh, which is happening at a number of locations in Brisbane, but these sorts of things easy to set up in your own community. 
We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Our special guest is Dr. Stephen Beaumont. And uh, Stephen, if I were just uh, uh, reflecting, the the actual website uh, is, uh, I guess, if people go to Briz West Care, uh, they can access then some links to all these different things we're talking about that you're involved in. And uh, in having a look at your website, there's some inspiration there for people uh, to actually think outside the square and to do some other things. So Briz West Care dot org dot au is there a particular site for the uh, shed 27 or is it under that under the banner of that one Neil, it's under under that banner we interestingly perhaps we've tried to actually fly somewhat under the radar in what we've been trying to do there at Capalabar in the last two years so we haven't tried to do too much within um, social media outside of traction attraction has its own facebook page And so you can get lots of photos and lots of information and inspiration about traction if you go into Facebook. But in the words of our local federal MP, that Shed 27 is Redland's best kept secret. And there's something about our intentional intentionality around us just getting on and doing what we're doing without wanting to make a big fuss about it. And part of that is philosophical because we are dealing with a lot of vulnerable young people. And for us, we don't see these young people as pinups. We don't want to, you know, uh, advertise everywhere that we're doing all of this stuff with young people because, to be honest, it's just between us and God and getting on and doing something in the local community. It's all in all its simplicity, we hope. Um, that's been our approach anyway. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. We've been taking some time to talk about thinking outside the square and what you do on this great adventure that we have as Christian believers and where our faith intersects real life and has an impact on people and some people in our communities disadvantaged or have special needs for having interaction. And, of course, uh, the way that our faith works very powerfully uh, is an important way to think about how we live our lives in an intentional way that actually makes a difference. Uh, Dr. Stephen Beaumont is our guest. And, Stephen, just before we uh, sort of draw things to a close, uh, for, for listeners who have been inspired about what we've been talking about with Shed 27, and it's so exciting, and these other projects sail away uh, and taking kids on outdoors adventures and, and traction, uh, restoring bicycles, wonderful projects. There's a Christian element to all of this. It's the undergirding foundation for what you do. But one very important point to bring out, this is not your job. This is like your Christian hobby that you've actually gotten these things underway. Uh, Explain for us uh, the heartbeat of the sort of person who might become something of a social entrepreneur, a Christian entrepreneur, because it's not all about me. It's not all about earning an income, doing something as a career move. This is all about uh, the intention of the heart, and anyone can do what you're doing. Neil, I've been thinking about this recently, and I'll explain it this way. I've never allowed my profession, even though most of that has been within the Christian world, to get in the way of purpose. And Shed 27, Sail Away, Traction, all these other initiatives, um, my wife describes them as my hobbies. And they are because, as you've said, they're not my job. I don't earn an income out of these. I champion. And that's the language that we use. So we just see ourselves as people trying to champion a cause. It's the, the cause is young people, at-risk youth, kids dropping out of school, kids not doing well. They're, they're the cause. 
And for us, we just, and for myself in particular and Shane, we just looked at what do we have in our hands? What were we capable of, of doing as individuals? So we didn't see this as part of a formalized Christian ministry. It's not the outreach program of any local church, although there are many churches and Christians involved in this at different levels. It, it doesn't sit out there in a formal ministry. We're just a bunch of people just wanting to measure out mercy to young people. Um, and so, no, it's not my job. Let's talk about the Shed 27, the projects that you work on. We've been talking about some wonderful projects. Uh, you mentioned uh, a great combi that's uh, ready for uh, finishing. Uh, there's lots of different uh, classic cars that have been restored uh, over the times. Uh, do these cars come to you by accident? Do people donate them? How do you get a hold of all of these projects for people to work on? Okay, they come through a, a number of different ways. Uh, we have some cars at the moment that are customers' cars, so they've given us paid work to actually restore or partially restore their vehicles, and so that's good for income generation. We get other people who bring their own cars and work on those cars in the shed, and the guys all get together and, and do that. Other times we get um, cars donated to us, and they might be more modern cars. For instance, today a a 93-year-old gentleman has decided that he's not driving anymore, <laughs> so he's dropping off his old station wagon to the shed today and pulling off the plates and leaving it there. Well, cars like that we use for our Certificate to Automotive program. We um, take young another program that we run, we just call Forge, and what that is is we have kids that have already dropped out of high school, so they're 13, 14, 15 years old. They don't go to school whatsoever. We find them, we link them into the shed, and then we run a 10-week Certificate to Auto course for them. They get their qualification, and donated cars are what they work on. So they pull them apart, and at the end of the course, we scrap them. Okay, well, you can donate a car to Shed 27, and I'll tell you the website where you can go to to make contact. Uh, it's brizwestcare.org.au, brizwestcare.org.au. And if you're not in the southeast Queensland area and listening uh, in all the states and territories around Australia and you want some inspiration about what you might do in your own community, uh, you might like to go to brizwestcare.org.au too and have a little look at what's been going on there, gain some inspiration from that and get together with some friends and intentionally decide what you might do as a practical expression of your own Christian faith and get something started in your own community. We've been talking about the great adventure, thinking outside the square, doing something practical in the kingdom of God, connecting with people, and as we've been having a focus uh, this past hour on those kids in the community, disadvantaged young people, people who are sometimes at risk, people who are coming from a foster care background. Uh, but there are people like that in every community around Australia, and there's a challenge there for every believer to do something in your local community. Uh, well, special thank you to you, Stephen Beaumont, for taking some time to share these things with us today. I hope we have an opportunity to do this again on another day and perhaps talking about some of the other strings in your bow, which are all very good to talk about. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Neil. It was great. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.